is a blessing to be here tonight. I'm not glad that my brother is gone, but I'm thankful for the opportunity. I think I'm on. All right. If I say a sentence or so and then pause a little bit, don't worry. Um, I'm just waiting for my interpreter to, to interpret because that's the way we normally do it over there. I do want to say thank you for your faithful financial support and your faithful prayers for us there in Uganda. We do not take it for granted. We thank you very much. We could not do the work that God has allowed us to do without churches just like this one supporting us so that we can do the work that, that we're doing there. Thank you for your help in getting Marcus and Kendra settled. This is a foreign country to them. It is. They've grown up in Uganda. Now, they've visited here, and so they know America to some degree, but this is a foreign country. So getting settled, uh, trying to teach them to drive on the other side of the road. Because as I'm driving with Kendra on the back roads trying to help her practice, and she gets on the left side, I'm thinking, yeah, this is okay. And then I think, oh, wait a minute. No, this is not okay. (laughs) Kendra, get on the other side of the road. So it's... uh, been fun, uh, but we do appreciate many of you have donated things to help them get started, uh, and I appreciate that, uh, just making them feel at home. Uh, thank you very much. I'm so thankful to have a place like this where we can leave them, um, and it's going to be difficult for us when we say goodbye, we leave two here and we go back to the other two over there, uh, but we know they're in good hands here, and we appreciate those. Many of you have already said, we're going to watch out for them. We're going to take care of them. And so we really appreciate that. Um, just knowing, having confidence that they're in good hands when we, when we say goodbye to them. And so I really appreciate that very much. Thank you for being a special church because uh, my brother, Andrew, loved the mission field. Uh, and so for him to come off the field to pastor this church, it's a very special church. And so thank you for being a great church. Um, thank you for being a church that is willing to grow and learn uh, that means a lot to us, and we appreciate it. You know, we're still a little upset that he left the field, but since Dad left too, well, okay, we've got 50-50, so it's, it's all right. And we thank you for taking care of Mom and Dad. Now, I know that's the biggest thank you of all because of Dad. I mean, he was trying to beat me with a cane even tonight. <laughs> I've got my message ready. No, we do appreciate um, just your love and care for them. Uh, it's, it's a blessing just to hear them talk about you. Uh, some of you, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, the way they talk about you, it, just, it, it, it makes us feel well. And, and I, I don't know the word, I don't want to say feeling, but we, we, are, we just can just have peace knowing they're in a good place. People are helping them, taking care of them. Um, working together, and it's a blessing, and we appreciate it. So thank you, thank you so much for all that you're doing here for, for our family, Stence's family. If you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, I've been preaching a series of messages in Uganda um, on personal consecration, been going through a series of messages, and so Shane asked me what the title was of the message, and I said, it's personal consecration number four. I said, you can leave off the number four, it's okay. But this is a message that I uh, preached there that really spoke to my heart uh, and challenged me uh, in, in my walk with the Lord, and so I wanted to uh, bring that to you tonight 
um, just about personal consecration in our life. John chapter 8, we'll begin reading in verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. Pray that you be with the pastor as he's traveling, having some time with his family. Pray that you'd give him some good rest and good relaxation, being able to uh, just enjoy the time, knowing that things are taken care of here back home. I pray that you would be with me tonight. Help me to honor your word. Help me to give exactly what you'd have me to give, that, that I might be filled with the Spirit to preach what you would have and that the people would be filled with the Spirit, that they would receive what you would have for them. I pray that you bless this message tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus is talking to uh, the people, and as he spoke, many people believed on him. And it's very interesting, those that believed on him, what he told them right away. He says, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Many had believed on him, even separating themselves from the Pharisees, but right away Jesus begins to, to show them what it's going to take to be a disciple. Now, sometimes we, we think a, a person becomes a Christian then they become a disciple of Christ. But it's actually the opposite. Because if you look in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, it says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. They were disciples first, and then they were recognized as Christians. It's kind of an interesting, interesting thought. Um, those who take the title of a Christian, or... Uh, take that, that they, that they say that they are a Christian or a disciple, they really go together. We, we think that a person's a Christian and then they become a disciple, but it's really the opposite. The disciples were called Christians at Antioch, which means they vindicated who they were following. They vindicated that they were claiming to be a Christian. These people listened to the teaching of Christ. They believed in the message of the gospel they professed their faith in Christ. Sometimes they and their households were baptized and they became a learner in his school, you might say. They became his disciple. As they went along, they consistently used the name of Christ. They referred to that name in prayer as they were praising, as they were preaching. And so many of them began to say, hey, these are Christians. They were showing evidence that they were a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the title was really only given to those who were disciples of Christ. It wasn't someone, oh, oh, they got saved, they're a Christian. They got saved, they would become a disciple of Christ. And then as they lived their life, they became known as a Christian. Those who took that title of Christian in the early days, um, it was quite a claim. For us today, it's not any big deal. It should be a big deal, but, but for most people, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, what does that mean? To them, it doesn't mean anything. But to those in the early days, when they took the name of Christian, it meant that they were a proclaimer of his gospel. They were a follower in his steps. They also shared his treatment at the hands of the world. Many of them were killed 
because they took the name Christian. It wasn't just a, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I don't even know why sometimes we're actually in Uganda because everybody's a Christian there. Really. Um, unless they're a Muslim, they will claim, oh yes, I'm a Christian. But Uganda is number two in Africa for alcohol consumption. Number eight in the world. That's not a Christian. The title of Christian has become somehow watered down. Oh yeah, America is a Christian nation. I don't really find in the Bible where it takes the name Christian and refers it to a nation. If this is a Christian nation, we're in trouble. The disciples were called Christians. Christian meant a disciple of Christ. Well, what is the definition of the name disciple? When you look in the gospel, there's three steps of those who followed Christ. If you go to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4 in verse 18, there were basically, you could say, three steps for people to become a Christian or when they became recognized as a Christian or a disciple. In the first place, they heard the call of Christ. Look in verse 18, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He called them. They heard his call and they obeyed the call. They followed him. Uh, Look at verse 21. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, many of their nets. And he called them. Notice verse 22. They immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. So first of all, they heard the call. Second of all, they obeyed. And then look down in chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. So very soon after they followed Christ, they became known as his disciples. Throughout the Gospels, they're called the disciples. Uh, it wasn't until into the, uh, the book of Acts when they were actually called Christians. So they were disciples. Sometimes they were known as apostles, those who were sent out. Uh, whatever he commissioned them to do, whatever lesson he taught them or character he implanted upon their heart, whatever it was, they were to obey. That was the permanent condition between the teacher and the disciple. Whatever he said, they followed. It was a continual following. It was a constant listening. And it was a consistent obeying on the part of the disciple. If we really understood what discipleship means and what a disciple is, uh, it's not just, well, let me try this for a while and see if I like it or not. It's lifelong. To be a disciple of Christ means following his steps, growing in his likeness, Doing his work, getting the same treatment that he got, and waiting for his glory. There's three places in the Gospel of John uh, where the Lord gives us three principles 
concerning discipleship. Concerning what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. If you go to John chapter 8 where we began, he mentions the first principle there. It says, as he spake, uh, I'm sorry, verse 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. The first principle that, God get, or that Jesus gave us here about discipleship is that you continue in his word. There's a relationship established here between the disciple and the teacher. Listening, hearing that word and continuing in that word. When that principle is observed, there is a blessing. Okay, there's a reward here. He says, you're my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth. There is a blessing when we continue in his word. If we abide in Christ, if we abide in his word, we become assured of what truth is. We can know the truth. The truth is here. In verse 43... As Jesus continues talking with them, some of them were not believing on him. And he said, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. What was Jesus saying to them? You're not listening to me. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You don't know the meaning of what I'm saying to you. Why? Your ears are closed to my teaching. You don't want to accept my message. It's it's funny when people... They come to church, but then they get mad when the preacher steps on their toes. Why are you in church? Why did you come? Uh, the Bible talks about people having itching ears and pastors just tickling their ears. Is that why you come to church, so the pastor can tickle your ears? Or did you come for him to step on your toes? So that you can be more like Christ. Isn't that why we're here? Well, you say, Pastor, or, or Brother Matt, I'm not more like Christ yet. Exactly. That's why you're here. That's why we need preaching continually to help us to become more like Christ. This abiding in the teaching of Christ. Uh, Pastor talked about starting a new series about abiding in Christ. Thought it was very interesting that we're talking about abiding. We're listening to what he says and then obeying, hearkening to his teaching. What is his teaching? His teaching as a whole is what we call his word. Even Jesus Christ himself was called the word. Everything in the Old Testament was about the word. Amen. Uh, Luke twenty four twenty seven says... This gets me because I'm waiting for the interpreter. Because always when we have verses, that interpreter takes a while. So this is a blessing. Luke 24, 27 says, Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The word was talked about in the Old Testament. It, it's, the word is talked about in all the Gospels. Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, All that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up. It's through the rest of the New Testament. In Revelation twenty two sixteen. he says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. This is the word. 
This is what we are to continue in. If we're going to be a disciple of Christ, this is what we continue in. How do we continue? Daily Bible reading and prayer, discipleship, Sunday morning services, Sunday evening services, Wednesday evening special services. What are we doing? We are continuing in His Word. Yes, we have the singing, we have the announcements, we have all the other things, but this is the most important part of the service. It's His Word. It's why we come. Oh, I know we enjoy the fellowship with each other. We enjoy talking and and hearing stories and being an encouragement to other people. But what is the number one reason we are here tonight? To continue in His Word. That's principle number one. The second principle we can find in John chapter 13. Now, I was told that usually I get the pulpit around 7.15, so that's 45 minutes. Well, when we're in Uganda, we get the interpreter, so that's double the time. So I figure maybe about 9 o'clock we're okay, right? Amen. Amen. Continue in his word. Amen. That's good. (laughs) So John chapter 13, verse 34 says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, and ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The first principle talked about the condition between the disciple and the master, just the two of them, continuing in his word, listening to him, hearkening to him. The second principle, not only does it connect the master and the disciple on one hand, but it also connects each disciple with others on the other hand. With regard to the master, the second principle of discipleship is that of obedience to his commands, specifically regarding to other disciples. But first of all, you have to listen, you have to hear. Secondly, you have to obey. It's hard to know what Jesus wants if we don't know what he says. It's hard to know how to please him if we don't get in his word. And I challenge you, I know Pastor Andrew preaches, but his preaching alone cannot cannot sustain you. You need to be in his word, in God's word every day. That's how you're going to know what commands he has. That's how you're going to know what pleases him. He says, a new commandment I give unto you. Okay, this is a command. We as a disciple are subject to the master. Amen. That means we do what he says. He gives the commands, we follow. We are not the one who gives commands. We follow the commands. The first principle related to the study of the master's teaching here, this second principle, talks about the obedience to the commands. It's a command that he says that we are to do, but immediately he gives an example afterward. Look what he says there. You love one another, then he gives an example, as I have loved you. You see, the master practices what he preaches. He says, I'm not going to tell you to do something that I'm not doing. 
No one can misunderstand this command. It's very clear. It's very clear. The perfect example of the master makes it very clear to us. But when we look at the Lord, we see he's the perfect example. Then we start to look at the copies. That's us. Shouldn't we be a copy of the Lord? And the problem is that as we look at the copies, sometimes we're not able to recognize the likeness between the two. Here's the Lord. Here's a person who claims to be a disciple. Where's the likeness? Maybe it's the number of disciples are few. Maybe there's not many disciples out there. That's why maybe we get discouraged. We see the Lord, we see his characteristics, and then we look at other people and we think, wow, there's not the likeness. Maybe it's because there are those who are still learning and haven't put to practice what they've learned. But here, obedience is commanded. So we need to ask each one of us ourselves, what is my position in regards to his commands? Am I obedient? Is this reflection of the master's conduct apparent in my life? You've heard the phrase, and I know it's been abused and just watered down, but what would Jesus do? Am I willing to do what he would do? He's the master. He's the example. I hear what he says. Do I do it? Well, that's not the way we do things around here. Well, that's not the way culture is around here. When you're a missionary in a foreign country, sometimes it's hard to, I don't want to say condemn, but it's hard to go against people's cultures because they feel like you're a foreigner. What are you, why are you saying anything against our culture? And so what I will do is I will put my country as an example and I'll say, in, in America, it has become culture to accept homosexuality. It's become a culture to accept, without any uh, uh, biblical teaching, this transgenderism. I said, now, that's what my culture is telling me to do. That's what government is telling me to do. That's what lawmakers are telling me to do. That has become a culture in my country. Do I follow my culture? Or do I follow the word of God? And of course, they always tell me, follow the word of God. And I say, now, when your culture goes against the word of God, what do you do? No matter what culture says, we must follow the word of God. Culture is not our master. This country is not our master. Jesus Christ is our master. We are his disciple. If that is what we claim, which I believe you're here tonight because you would claim to be a disciple of Christ. I think that's why you would be here, to learn more. But now the point is not just hearing it. Now it's saying, okay, I'm going to do it. In reference to this command, do I love fellow disciples as he loved me? Sometimes it's hard to love people. I was talking to Brother Greg earlier. You know, if it wasn't for people, the ministry would be great. 
having to deal with people. Some people are wonderful. I was, we were talking about how there are people in Uganda, in, in my church there, in the Lord's church there. Some of them won't send a message to me at all while I'm here. It's okay. They don't need it. We're fine. They're strong enough on their own. They don't need to talk to me necessarily, and I don't need to communicate with them specifically. There's others that need a message every day. They, they need it. Do I love them as Jesus loved me? Or do I... There they are again. There they are again. Do we love other people as Christ loved us? Remember where we came from. How unlovely we were before Christ saved us. Do we love other people? Do we care for other people? That's the second, or that's the command here. The second principle is we hear what he says. We hear the teaching. Love God, love your neighbor. Now he says, do it. Do it. Well, that's, you know, I'm, I haven't reached that advanced level yet. I'm, I'm getting there. But I'm not there yet. Well, it is not... For advanced disciples. 1 John chapter 3 verse 23 says this. This is his commandment. It's, it's one command. Okay. That we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. And love one another. They kind of go together don't they? If we have truly accepted Jesus Christ as our savior. It's not well 10 years down the road. Now make sure you love one another. It ought to come immediately. If you go to 1 John, it is a condition of abiding in the light that we love one another. It's a ground of assurance of our new life. It's a secret of answered prayer. It's a proof of divine birth. It is an essential condition for God's indwelling and his love being perfected in us. That we love one another. It was such a blessing to be here Thursday and to see everybody that came to go out soul winning. Where were you? Amen. Now, I know some of you have to work. I understand that. But if you were at home, that's not evidence of loving one another. Because that's what it takes to go out and knock on doors and tell people that you don't even know. That's love for them. We're not expecting anything from them. We are giving to them. We are trying to share the love of Christ with them. I challenge you. If you're a Christian, if you claim to be a disciple of Christ... Do you have love one for another? Willing to go out? It's hard. Especially in today's world. You don't know who's behind that door. Dogs? Uh, my pastor. He went out visiting one day and he got attacked by a bull, pit bull. Got him right on his face. That's always in the back of my mind. <laughs> when I'm knocking on the door and I hear a little dog. Mm, I think I'm going to take a step back a little bit. You, you never know who's going to come to the door. But do we do it anyway? Because we love God and we love other people. And we're willing to go and tell them what we have. It's an evidence of someone who is a disciple of Christ. 
that they will hear what he says, they will continue in his word, and then they will love one another. Even in this, there is a blessing. He says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. People are going to know these people are Christians. Look at the way they love other people. Look at how they treat other people. They truly love people. They must be a Christian. What a blessing that is. Not only are we blessed because of our obedience, but we are made a blessing to other people. People can attest to our discipleship. Truly, that person is a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ. And then we have the third principle that's found in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 7 and verse 8. If ye abide in me, my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. The third principle here is that we will bear much fruit. If we're a disciple of Christ, we're going to bear fruit. Pastor talked about this some on, on Sunday. Bearing fruit. Jesus is the vine. Through us, we produce fruit. There are five things in this list that are joined together here talking about how we are a disciple. First, he talks about abiding in Christ. Then he talked about his words abiding in us. Then he talked about prayer, prevailing prayer with God. Then he talked about fruitfulness. And he ended with bringing glory to God. So shall ye be my Disciples. If you go down to some other verses, verse 16, he talks about bringing forth fruit. He talks about fruit that remains. Fruitfulness is an essential part of discipleship. Bearing much fruit. As we hear what our master says, we listen to what he says. We continue in his word. We obey it. What is naturally going to follow? Fruitfulness. No one who who persistently follows his master's teaching, obeying his rules, obeying his commands, that is not going to bring the results that the master wants. It's a byproduct. It's going to happen. Obviously, it's different with everybody. But as a disciple of Christ, there will be fruitfulness. Not fruit only, but much fruit. Much fruit comes from that prevailing prayer resulting in glory to God. Little fruit, uncertain prayer, small glory to God. That seems like what's happening today. In many churches around America and even the world. Little fruit. Uncertain prayer. Little glory to God. What about us? Where are we? Are we continuing in his word? Are we listening to what he has to say? Are we taking the time to continue? If we're too busy with our schedules, if we're too busy with all the things of life, 
For those things, we cannot continue in his word. We cannot be his disciple. Now, he said right there, if you continue in my word, then you truly are one of my disciples. It's easy to say we're a Christian. It's, it's a very, it just rolls off the tongue. Yes, I'm a Christian. But I'm a disciple of Christ. Is that more difficult? It shouldn't be. They should be the same. A Christian disciple should be the same. But if we're going to be a disciple, we must continue. We must abide in his word. And then when we abide in his word, we'll obey him. We'll do what he says. And that will bring fruit. And that's when Jesus says, and ye shall be my disciples. Is that our desire? We have to look at our goals in life. And I know there are a lot of things that go on with our life, but shouldn't our desire be, uh, shouldn't our desire in life to be to follow Christ? You're doing it just like we're doing it in Uganda. There's no difference. Okay, we have the same Bible, preach the same thing. Those Ugandans need to learn to be a disciple of Christ, just like Americans, Russians, Chinese, South Americans, whoever. There's no difference around the world. That ought to be our desire in life, whatever it is, wherever God has put us to be his follower, which means we do what he does. There was a story told of, of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was quite a mighty warrior. And he conquered the world before I think he was 33 years old. Well, there's a story told that one of his soldiers had showed some cowardly behavior. And so they brought him before Alexander. And Alexander the Great asked him, what is your name? And the man very, very timidly said, that's Alexander. He said, sir, what is your name again? It's Alexander. He had the same name as, uh, as Alexander the Great. And this is what he said to him. Either change your name or change your conduct. We take the name of Christian. We need to either change the name or change our conduct. Do we truly represent Jesus Christ? Do we truly represent being one of his disciples? The three great principles. Continuing in his teaching, obeying his command, and bringing much fruit for his glory. The first principle gives assurance to our soul. We're a disciple. He says, you will know. You will be a disciple. The second principle gives convincing proof to the world when they look at us and they say, that person must be a disciple of Christ. Look at his life. The third principle gives glory to God. Because as pastor said on Sunday, I'm not the one who saves anybody. God who saves. Am I willing to be that channel? 
Sometimes we get so full. If, if you take the, the analogy that Pastor taught on Sunday about the branch, the branch being just the conduit. The vine is what produces the fruit, but it needs the branch to be able to bring that fruit out. Well, if there's a whole lot of things in that branch that are causing problems or that are stopping the flow, can't produce much fruit. If we're truly going to be a disciple of Christ, we need to listen to what he says. We need to continue in his word. And then not just hear it, but do it. James says, be ye not only hearers of the word, but also doers. And when we do that, when we listen, and when we do his word, fruitfulness will come. And by that, we can give glory to God. That's our purpose in life, to give glory to God. So that others may see Christ in us. And glorify God. I don't know where you are today. If you are still in that first step of just listening and continuing the word of God. I hope you will be to that next point where you are obeying what he says. Whatever it is. No matter the culture. You're obeying his word. All of it. Not just the parts you like. In Uganda we we deal with people all the time. They say... Well, those are Paul's words. Well, those are Matthew's words. So they just say that about the books they don't want to obey. Uh, so they'll just say, oh, that's, that's, that's Paul's words. He, that's not really God's words. They just like to pick and choose what they want. It's all of his word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So we have to accept it all. This is not a buffet where we pick and choose what we want. We take it all. And when we continue in his word, Old Testament, New Testament, then we obey it and there will be fruit. To God be the glory. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for what we have heard tonight. I pray that we would ask you to see where we are if we are not listening as we ought if we are not continuing in your word, we're not taking the time we need to listen. We're so busy, we don't have time to read our Bible. We don't have time to pray. We're busy, going, uh, we're, we're busy doing other things. We don't have time to come to church. Convict us of not continuing in your word. Then when we do hear the word, what do we do with it? Do we obey Do we make excuses? Help us to truly understand the master and servant position. We do what you say, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, we obey because you are the master. We are the disciple. And then, Lord, maybe there's some here tonight that have not been very fruitful. Maybe it's because they've not been obeying your word. Maybe people cannot see them and say, oh, there goes a Christian. They don't see the difference from them and the world. They look the same. They talk the same. They act the same as the world. Because they're not following the word of God. 
Lord, you've chosen us to bring forth fruit because of you. It's through you. As Pastor said on Sunday, it's because of you that we can even bring forth fruit. But maybe there's things in our lives that are stopping that flow. So people cannot see Christ in us and therefore we're not producing much fruit. You tell us that you want us to produce much fruit. To bring glory to you. Lord, I don't know where you're speaking to our hearts about, but I pray that every one of us can take a look at ourselves and see where we're at. If we're continuing, for obeying, for bearing fruit. Maybe we can just take a few minutes tonight, Lord, and, and do business with you. If we need to come to the altar, we just need to stay there in the pew, but whatever, Lord, speak to our hearts tonight. That's why we've come tonight. We didn't come so we could just laugh and sing and meet people and then go home. We came tonight so you could speak to us. So I pray that we would listen to you speaking to us so that we might leave here a different person. We might be convicted in our hearts to become more like you. Let others see Jesus in me. As we take just a few moments, speak to our hearts, Lord. Help us to listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit.